Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, still here in the backseat, even with an aging parent navigating. Don, do you got your reading glasses up there? I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, your mechanic. Don, you didn't confirm or deny those reading glasses. I feel insecure now. I don't have my hearing aids. You, dear listener, are the driver on this, the relationship road trip. Today's quote is by Amy Waldman. My parents are aging and there are difficult issues. It's strange to have children at the beginning of life and parents nearing the end. Previously on the Relationship Road Trip, we talked about dual and single career partnerships, the pros and cons of both, and how Don and Janice have navigated changes to their partnership and their careers over the years. This week, we're going to talk about aging parents, which you might have guessed based on the quote of the day. Don, since you are the aging parent on this call, what is your view on the topic? Our quote describes what it's like for some folks in their 40s and 50s. They may have kids just starting out or maybe even in their teens and needing one kind of care, as well as parents dealing with their own mortality and independence. The sandwich may also be trying to hold down work to pay the bills. That's a lot of pressure. What's the sandwich again? (laughs) So, okay, the quote's about what you're calling the sandwich generation. Yeah, and I haven't referenced it before. This sandwich generation may also be trying to hold down work to pay the bills. That's a lot of pressure. Pew Research from 2013 found 47% of 40 and 50-year-olds are juggling all three. Kids, aging parents, and work. Like your lettuce, your tomato, your your deli meat, and it's in a panini press. Lots of (laughs) pressure. Yes, a very hot pressure. Add to that COVID-19 and quarantine. Mm, and this yeah. past year, for some people, have been really hard, particularly ones where their aging parents maybe got sick and they couldn't visit them in the hospital. They could only do FaceTime or some other uh, video conferencing thing. And I've certainly talked to lots of people this over this past year who have been in that position. Yeah. And it's hard to admit that your parents are getting old. It For them... And for you. So what do you guys think? I'm old now. You're most definitely old. Sorry, dude. (laughs) I I don't know what to tell you. I think you age well. (laughs) Like a fine wine. So the research suggests that independent living is directly related to having children. (gasps) People who don't have children usually end up in some facility either by their own choice or by human resources, the Department of of Human Resources, putting them into some kind of facility. And nursing homes, which is where people were landing for a very long time, were never meant to be permanent housing. They were meant to be recovery places after surgeries or falls or that kind of thing. I don't think I knew that. You didn't? Uh, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I guess it makes sense in the name, huh? Yeah. Right. Like it, for, it nursing, for nursing like care. Post, okay. Yeah. Right. And then you would go back to your... To your home and your home. family. Mm-hmm. Right. With the idea being that you would live as independently as you could for as long as you could. And families still, even to this day, do most of the caretaking for the elderly. And unfortunately, that usually falls to the daughters. 
in the household, they're more willing to do it in most cases. Although I would imagine that in the next 10 years or so, that's going to change a great deal. So rather than nursing homes, assisted living facilities are a relatively new idea. Assisted living facilities only started in 1983. Think about that. That's only about 38 years ago. Yeah, not a lot of history there. No, not at all. And the more expensive version of that is the continuing care retirement community. Y'all might recognize that's where your Oma and Grandpa are. Because um, that's also where like Aunt Mary Lou and Uncle Bill are? No, they're actually in an independent house. Okay, I thought they were in a community. They're, but they're in like, it's not that, but it's like almost another step, right? Because aren't they in like a 55 and up community or something? No, so that's, that's what, what the parents are moving to. That's right. No, but I thought old. that... I thought that so, Uncle Bill and Aunt Mary Lou were in that too. So they started in that direction and then decided those people were too old for them. I see. I must have missed that. My I'm, bad. They're in a beautiful community and doing very well, independently living. And they're, they're 10 and 11 years older than I am. But I'm the one, Janice and I are moving into a 55 plus community with a but first still floor not. master bedroom so that I don't trip going up the stairs. Of course, my sure. office is upstairs. But that's not what we're talking about with the continuing care thing either. That just means that the other people in the community are roughly the same age as you. So in the, theory, you have more in common and that kind of stuff. The continuing care is the idea that you have independent space to live until something happens where maybe you can't live as independently as before. So we mentioned Oma and Grandpa live in a continuing care. They currently live in an independent cottage, as theirs is called. There's opportunities to move to smaller housing if your partner passes. So they have apartments that are there that you can move into. And then they also have a healthcare and rehab center. So if you were to get ill, you get directly to that healthcare center. The rehab center, if you're able to get better and hopefully move back to independent living. And then I believe they also have a long-term health center for individuals who won't be able to go back to living independently. That's correct. Including a memory unit for folks who are having dementia issues. They also have one more thing and that's integrated hospice care. So when you do get to that point where you're in the transition um, that you can get palliative care where there's no or little pain and you stay much more comfortable as you Exit. Exit. Yeah. It's the highway, the, huh? Exit, exit the, the highway. Road. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens, man. And eventually you exit the highway. Mm. One of the key things for your elderly parents, though, is they need to be needed. They need to have a purpose with their life. They've spent their whole life, 60, 70, 80 years doing things. They either worked or they took care of people or they were volunteers and organizations. They still need to be needed even in their 60s, 70s and 80s. So helping your aging parent find a place to feel needed is a great way both to help you, the sandwich generation, and to help them. Because the more engaged they are in the community, the healthier they will be and the less need they will have. Hmm. So, and seniors value autonomy. If you interview any of them, they want to live on their own. If they've lived in a house for a long time, they may not want to give it up. It's familiar to them. It's safe to them. And there are services that have developed over the last 20 years or so, like Visiting Angels, Home Instead, and Right at Home that will help you help your 
elderly parent stay in their independent living situation. There are also a couple of places that have popped up that have uh, volunteer aspects to them. So if you have limited funding to be able to care for your aging parent, there are services where if you qualify, you can get services for free. One of the local ones to Durham is a helping hand. They offer that mission and they're focused on providing the best their care they can to older adults aging within the community, recognizing that it's really hard to do, especially if your family is not local. Yep, that's true. And there are worse things than dying. This is a part of every human's life. All of us have got to exit the highway eventually. And letting go of your aging parents is important. Saying what you need to say and bringing that relationship to closure, if you can, is important. So that's something to work on. And you can work on that with a therapist or with a counselor that does grief counseling or those kinds of things. So we're all in this together. What you see your aging parent going through and how they do it is modeling for you what may be in store for you when you get to that spot on the road. So aging parents, model well for your children so that they will care for you when you need it. And they'll have a template, a, a map, so to speak, of how to do it well themselves. So there are a couple of things that you might want to consider discussing with your elderly parent. And that's a physician orders for life-sustaining treatment. Pulsed is what it's called. And this is essentially what your parent wants done to them in terms of life-sustaining treatments. And it is binding. So they're, in North Carolina, at least, it is binding. And in North Carolina, by the way, they have to call it something different. It's called Medical Orders of Life-Sustaining Treatment. So you might check with your state to find Most. out. If, most, yes. I wasn't <laughs> going to say that one out loud, but okay. <laughs> And people love these acronyms. I don't know why, but hey, whatever. So check in your state. Not all 50 states, by the way, honor this. There are some states where the physician is going to do what the physician is going to do, regardless of the wishes of the patient or of the family. I don't know a ton about this stuff, but my understanding is medically, this kicks in if something else happens, right? This mm -hmm. is not stuff like assisted suicide or any of that kind of thing. No, that's exactly. still not allowed in most places. In most places, that's not allowed. That's correct. And this is not that. Right. So, this is like do not resuscitate type stuff. Yes, but more detailed. So yeah. it goes into things like don't put a feeding tube in me. Maybe mm -hmm. don't put any fluids in me. If I'm starting to fail, just let me fail. Make me comfortable, mm -hmm. but don't do anything else. And do not resuscitate would be in that. Right. Yeah, just trying to draw... A little more clarity between some of that stuff, some examples of what this would or would not cover. Yes. Well, and recognize if you are the aging parent in this case, that having these, while it's scary to face, while it's scary to think about what do I want, what's acceptable in this, what will my family think, having this as a statement, this is what I want, takes a lot of stress and stressors away from the sandwich generation folks. It's hard to make critical calls for your parents because you don't want to see them, or most often you don't want to see them exit this world. And But you have to decide at what point is this living versus just 
being a body here in the plane. And for the adults who do create this, that sense of it's my fault or I'm the one who has to do this gets taken away from the person, from the family that's surviving. Right. Because they have orders. They know what to do. And these things only come into play if the elderly parent can't speak for themselves. So they have, they have the first say in what happens to them, but then this helps with physicians and family members knowing what this person wants, because it's also hard on physicians. Physicians built their life on saving people. So it's hard for physicians to let go, even if they don't know the person. When do you think it's appropriate to discuss something like this with an elderly parent, for instance? I don't think it's really appropriate to discuss this with you right now because you're still relatively young and healthy. Why Um, wouldn't it be, though? Well, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm asking. For people out there who maybe are thinking about this or dealing with it, it's going to be very personal, of course, but what are some good metrics for like, when would it make sense to start this discussion? I started this discussion with the parents in 2018 (laughs) when I got my job. working with older adults. And I was like, don't you dare put me in this situation. Right. Well, but did you actually go make one of these physician order things? Yes. That's with the will. Okay. I know you and, and Janice did your, you did your wills a few years ago. I remember. Yeah. We updated them because uh, we figured you didn't want to go live with Aunt Mary Lou. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't have worked anyway because I was a full adult, but (laughs) sure. Okay. So you have this kind of statement included with your will? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the reality is I should have gone over that with you all uh, and said, here's how this is laid out. And no, you can keep me in the dark. It's cool. It's important to confront this stuff. I will happily learn all about it. I do. Well, and this is the nature of it all. I worked at a helping hand for a number of years and you get faced with it, right? So mm-hmm. fielding calls wherein a client died and having to hear family members feel insecure and confused and overwhelmed by that process. And I remember sitting there and then being like, cool. And driving over to Don and Janice's house and being like, so when you die, what's the plan? Well, it's, so dying is easy. That's easy. It's the living I'm, is harder, right? Dying. Absolutely. The, and the process of dying is more right. more difficult. So if you're hanging around for a while, like I, I personally, I don't want a feeding tube. I don't want, I, I would prefer not to be intubated and have a machine breathe for me. Those are my choices. They may be different for other people, but going through and saying, this is what I want and this is what I don't want is really helpful, particularly for the kids. As Kim said, now they're not guessing and they don't feel like they're um, taking their parent out by not giving them all of these other medical interventions. And also families don't fight. So when my father was at end stage life, there was a fight between my mother and my brothers and sisters around what interventions to do. Of course, I probably am the one that caused the fight because I did not want the PICU, the feeding, intravenous feeding to put in. That's a whole different set of stories. But that creates tension. And my father was unable to verbalize what he wanted or didn't want at that point. Hmm. So that's the kind of stress that you really don't need when you're grieving the the departure of a a loved one. So self-care for that sandwiched person is critical. 
make time for yourself and recognize that there are resources that can take some of the load off access those resources. Sometimes even insurance covers some of those resources for you. Well, and recognize that there are a lot of support groups that you can find usually through the place that your aging parent is in. Is that residing? Residing is residing. So I know UNC has a support group for caregivers and then a support group for specifically adult children of dying patients. I think Duke has a similar one. And these are all local to North Carolina and local to the RTP area because that's just where we live. But you can always look for them. Usually within the hospitals is going to be a good place that you can find. And they're typically free, which is always a nice resource. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk about sort of a, not a worst case scenario, but a, a bad scenario. What is it like if you are having to potentially assume care for a parent who did not take very good care of you when you were a kid? Well, obviously this is a very complex situation and it's a highly personal decision. You have to look at what is your relationship with this person, what is your existing relationship, and how do you want to finish out this relationship? You do have to make peace with an uncaring parent and the dynamic that you have. Making peace with this doesn't mean that you are forgiving their actions throughout their life. That's an important thing for people to hear. Understanding that this will be the termination of this relationship and that's just how this goes forward is not forgiveness. And I've seen people struggle with that of how do I be kind to this person who did not treat me well? Am I being kind and forgiving them for how they've treated me? Also recognizing that choosing to care for this parent is not permanent. You can let go and step back and ask for other resources if it goes poorly or if something in your life becomes too stressful that you're not able to balance that level of stress with the other stressors in your life. It is okay to walk away and ask for help. Caring for a parent who did not necessarily support you particularly well when you were younger can also be affirming recognizing that you're able to reconnect in some way. That's exactly it. Uh, Because you may discover things about this parent that you didn't know before that help you put context into what you experienced growing up with them. People are really complex and you don't know your parents as well as you think your parents. Well, and they shift into a new way of being. There's a level of how do I tell my story? How do I leave this world knowing that someone else knows me? And so those stories, those messages you didn't receive as a child might be shared more openly in the end stages of life. Mm -hmm. It is really important to make sure that you have a support system for yourself if you do choose to start taking care of this parent, because obviously there are going to be significant (laughs) stressors And having a support system is important regardless, but having someone that you can vent to and vent safely is helpful. Caring for your parent is a very fluid thing. It doesn't have to be, I'm caring for them alone or I'm putting them in a facility. We've talked about- Put them in, take them out. Put them in, take them out. 
We've talked about a couple of different options. So visiting angels right at home, all of those different things offer in-home services where you have someone who is trained probably as like a CNA. Sometimes you get other individuals with different credentials. And sometimes if what your parent needs is just someone to sit with them, they have that option as well. And these people go into their home or into their residence to be able to help and support them. And that's not abandoning your parent. You are still an active part of their care. You just might not be the one sitting there all of the time. And that's okay. And it's important to realize that it's okay to not be the only one. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to ask for time away. It's important to take care of yourself while also taking care of someone else. Particularly when you're trying to care for an uncaring parent, a parent who harmed you in some way, if you make this choice, that's, it's particularly difficult. Recognize that you can't change your parent and you cannot rescue them. Within this journey, you might find new stories about them and find compassion for them and yourself. And it might not go that way. Recognize that this isn't going to be an easy path to navigate. And again, ask for help. A really good reference book for people is Taking Care of Parents Who Didn't Take Care of You, Making Peace with Aging Parents by Eleanor Cade. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Unless I forget, but I'll try not to forget. Don, do you have any anything you want to add to that from either personal or professional experience, I guess? Caring for an elderly parent is difficult. Also, losing them is difficult, particularly when you lose both or sometimes all of your parents. So some folks have got divorced parents who remarried and they're close to all four of those people. And when all four of them are gone, that's a transition. So instead of there being a buffer between death and you, which is an unconscious process, right? If your parents are still alive, you think you're pretty safe. But when that generation goes, you're stepping into that so that space. It can be freeing. If you were a caregiver, time and resources are freed. You may be able to let go of expectations your parents had of you. So I have worked with people where their anxiety diminished drastically when their parent died because that pressure to perform or to do whatever it was that was part of that dynamic is now gone. It can be devastating, particularly if there are unresolved issues. The opportunity for confronting or discussing it with that parent is gone. You still have to confront the issue within yourself because you've internalized that relationship with that parent. It's also an opportunity to look at your parent's life in a different perspective and also to take a different perspective on your life. So I lost both of my parents when I was actually relatively young. I think, Ben, you were 10 when my mother died you and neither of you yeah, ever knew my father right. yeah so all of a sudden i was an orphan i didn't have parents that i could call if i was dealing with a difficult situation there wasn't anyone in, in that level of relationship that i could reach out to if i was in trouble that's a very different kind of experience in the world and sometimes can be frightening so again, reach out for help. That's a great time, by the way, for uh, brief psychotherapy, just to adjust to that change. Hmm. I think for you, the person that you would have reached out to was physically present, but not mentally present. Yes, that's true. So I was raised primarily by my grandmother who lived to 105, 
But those right. last 10 years were not, she was not really with us. And she was in a wonderful care facility, memory care facility, that took extremely good care of my grandmother, particularly for those, I think she was in there for the last seven or eight years of her life. She had been in another facility before that one. The only other thing that I would add to this is all transitions are opportunities. They're difficult, but they are a chance to have a conversation, to connect. And the relationships that you have with your parents, with your children, helping your children have a relationship with your parents, all of those in this transition are opportunities um, for change, for growth, for reconciliation and coming to peace within your own self. Hopefully that is some helpful guidance for those of you caring for your parents as they get older. It's a difficult time, but as Don just said, it's full of opportunities and change is hard and those opportunities may be scary, but if you can take advantage of them, it can be a very meaningful time. And as we discussed near the beginning of the episode, with some good communication and some planning, hopefully you can pass through this transition smoothly. Don't forget, you can chime in with questions or comments on our Facebook group, and you can directly support the show by joining our Patreon. Um, on the Patreon, you can get early access to episodes, guided meditations, which feature Don's voice and my music, and some beautiful pieces of digital art from Kim. Thank you for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m. So don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavitofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again... May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.